Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, Greg Dutcher. Greg, say hello. Hola! <laughs> and Andrew Landis is joining us. Andrew's our worship leader. Andrew, say hi to everyone out there. Hey, what's up? Um, Andrew, tell us a little bit about yourself. Friends, family, do you have any of those things? Yeah, I have a, a couple of friends, I guess. <laughs> um, mostly of whom are sitting in this room right now. It well, doesn't, doesn't, that expand, true, doesn't expand <laughs> I'll, I'll much, much farther than that. <laughs> no, uh, but... Yeah, um, I'm Andrew Landis. Uh, I'm the worship leader here at, at CFC. Um, been doing that for about four and a half years. Uh, and um, I'm married to Carrie, and I have a 15-month son uh, who's just a joy and, and a pleasure to have and fun watching him grow up. He's a cute dude. <laughs> yeah, we we can is. test yeah. on that, can't we, David? Yeah, yeah he's, he's an awesome little guy. He's, he's developing such a personality, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's so cool to see that. Um, so we just wanted to give you guys, you know, we are here on May 5th. This is Cinco de Mayo. Um, ironically enough, a lot of people have some misconceptions about Cinco de Mayo, its origins and um, how it came about. Um, so we're actually we're going to take some time to to educate you all on that. Um, don't worry, this won't take long. Um, a lot of people confuse this with uh, Mexico's Independence Day, which it is not. Um, it's actually a celebration when the Mexicans beat back the French in the town of Puebla in Mexico. And so a lot of uh, Mexican-Americans take a lot of pride in this. Um, it's, you know, just a, just a big day for them. There are a lot of celebrations going on. You can Google any number of celebrations going on in Cinco de Mayo and find something. I remember a few years ago, uh, my wife and her siblings and I, we were all down in Washington, D.C., and we just randomly ran into several different block parties that wow. were going on. Awesome. So, yeah. yeah, people just, you know, coming out and serving up beer. And, of course, you know, there's Corona up the yin-yang out there. Yeah. Look at that blending two cultures there. Yeah. Yin the yin and the yang and Corona. <laughs> uh-huh. That's um, good. That's sort of like the Corona the- mix. It's like a little <laughs> bit of beer and a little bit of water. Or a lot of water yeah, right. and That's a right. little bit of beer. That's right. But we are doing the, uh, the the good old American thing here. We are sitting in the booth uh, drinking um, beer yes. in honor of Cinco de Mayo. Although I think I'm the only one that's drinking <laughs> think you're something the, semi-authentic. The only legitimate beer. I'm drinking yep. Magic Hat Blind Faith. Yeah. Uh, which... You know, it's not really what we even believe is blind faith, but it, it's tasty though. That, it's very hoppy and good. That's good. And Andrew, what are you what are you drinking? I actually um, have a Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> yeah, which is not Mexican at all. I guess. <laughs> but here's but, how I look at. Hey. I bet somebody today, mm-hmm. Cinco de Mayo in Kentucky, is eating at a Mexican restaurant and having some of that bourbon. I just have a feeling. I think oh, so. Yeah, if you're so. that yeah. person, call in. <laughs> call in. We, we want to hear from you. We yes. want Andrew to be validated. Yes. I got a question, host Nathan Bell. Yeah. See how much you did your research. Okay. And I don't know the answers. You could tell me anything. When is what Mexican? What we do anyway, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, same thing, different day. When is the actual Mexican Independence Day? Because I have no idea. Yeah. I, I want to say it's September 9th. Oh, man. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe one of you guys can Google that while we're doing this. But I, I want to say it's something like September 9th. Let's see. Um, you keep talking. So, yeah. And, um, you know, so, Greg, you were actually um, asking me about Mexican beers uh, yes. before we got on here. Why are they so lousy? Yeah. Um, uh, and with all due respect to any <laughs> Mexican beer aficionados, yeah. listeners, etc. Right. If you find one that's not lousy, please let us know yes. and right. send us some. Because yes. I would love to try it. it which is why, dude, when Lisa and I go out, by the way, to a Mexican restaurant, yep. um, you know, she might be inclined to order something, uh, margarita, you know, sure. and, and a, a nice kind of girly drink, you know, sort of thing. And she always says, oh, do you want a beer? And I normally don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. to me, I don't want to pay the $5 when I could get a Diet Coke for two uh, to get a Corona that you is just, not as yeah, good as not, a Diet not Coke. Not a fan of, yeah. Again. And I, I mean, I think there are some uh, decent beers out there. I, I would, um, I'd be willing to say uh, I've had Modelo Negro before. I actually enjoyed yeah, that, that one. That wasn't decent. bad. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and then Greg, you were saying that you had um, Dos Equis Yes, Amber. Amber. Yeah, that, and, that's, that's yeah, a... That, about the best I can get. Yep. Yeah. Again, if if I am uh, somewhere, you know, and and you're at a great place before an Orioles game, you're at mm-hmm. Sliders or something, and they've got ten things on tap, 
It's probably not the one I'm going to pick. Yep. Uh, when you've got Sam Adams and some other good things, you know, Brewers Art and and, and all sure. that. Sure. Oh yeah. But it's I think a decent beer. Yeah. So yeah, I would say. Uh, and plus the commercials, dude. <laughs> Most interesting guy in the that's world. That's right. Yeah, it's awesome. Can't beat it. I mean, I think I think that's probably running into um, two of the mainstay ones. There there are several others out there. There's one. Um, I want to say it's called Devil Something. It's actually got a chili pepper in it. Oh. Really nice. Uh, really nice beer. It's it's spicy. You mm. you really you definitely get the spice of the chili pepper from the beer because it's actually soaking in the beer. Mm. Um, wow. So if you enjoy some heat, um, it's it's actually it does it does work well with the beer. Um, mostly though, I think the reason why you have such what we would consider crappy beers is, um, and, and when we say crappy beers, we're talking about things that are extremely light in body and flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, just putting that out there. That's how we would define crappy beers um and i think it's just fair to say that down there in mexico with all the heat you're not going to hand a worker uh a porter or a guinness or something like that you know uh the corona the corona lights all that stuff it's easy enough that you can be working throughout the day and be drinking those things of course drinking the water down there isn't you know isn't healthy so handing somebody a corona corona light you know they can they can drink those all day and and get through the work day yeah, it's what a friend of mine calls uh, lawnmower beer. Yeah, yeah. You know, which exactly. is sort of, you know, it's your hot, your weather. hot weather. Yeah. You want to drink something that's got a little bit of flavor, a little bit of punch. To me, it's like Gatorade, really. Yeah. I oh, just yeah. don't want to pay five fifty for Gatorade in a, right. in a restaurant when you're going out. You could save a few bucks and go get a uh, Sweet Frog yogurt afterwards. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. No, no. There you go. But, but I told the people it's, have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So that's why, Nathan, since you are our beer connoisseur, mm-hmm. I'm assuming the German beers, you know, when you think of the Oktoberfest, et cetera, yeah. climate has a lot to do with that? Um, to an extent. But if you think about, like, uh, what the German beers in, entail, I mean, you have pills. You have the Hefeweizens. Uh, you know, you have the Gambit lagers, lighter style beers. Um, but what you're finding is because of the purity laws with the water over there, mm-hmm. um, you don't, you know, there's not a lot, a lot of bacteria uh, that's allowed to be fermented in there where in here, like, you know, we'll throw bacteria in the yeast and everything like crazy. And it doesn't matter because, um, if I'm correct on this, um, JR, if you're listening, you can call in and correct me yes. on this. Um, JR is my go-to guy. Um, there is actually no human pathogen can survive in beer. I thought so. I mean, I would yeah. think the alcohol kills everything. So, it? yeah. So my understanding is, is there is no human pathogen out there that can make someone sick enough in beer. So even if you have beer, that's, you know, older than dirt, you can drink it and not worry about getting sick off of it. Interesting. Um, and so with, uh, with, with that, um, theirs is just more, it, it's become an art and a craft yeah. in, in how they do it. So you can have beers uh, across the board with them on different things. You have, you know, the Dunkles, which, which tend to, you know, be a, um, a heartier style beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, your Hefeweizens are, are cleaner, crisper, you have the lagers, which, um, you know, like, you know, when we think of lagers, we think like Yingling is the most popular one that would come to mind. Sure. Right. Um, you know, but over there, you know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yes, I, I don't that's, acknowledge that's under them. That's the crappy beer. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it is the best of the crappiest it's, domestic beers. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually closer to a, uh, a Japanese rice beer than it is yep. to uh, a Yingling, a true lager. Right. Yes. Yeah. Made and, with actual grain and, and barley. rice. Yeah. And, yeah. Man, if we have a lot oh, yeah. of blue collar listeners, I don't know if we do, but they're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> uh, we, we won't. We won't take a ton more time because we do have actually some really good topics we want to. We want to segue in from this, but um, yeah, and you're gonna find um, no matter where you go. Uh, the, the brewing process um, really in other countries, uh, particularly European countries, is much more of an art and a, and a style yeah. than it is, you know, uh, in, in America. It's it's becoming that way. Yeah. You know, you, you, you just see all the new breweries that are popping up and it is truly becoming that art and style and craft. Um, but, you know, in a place like Mexico, um, it's hey, this is, you know, this is what we're drinking. Um, it's late. It's easy. It's, you know, hotter than Hades and yeah. the climate. And yeah, so, right. no, no, that, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah. Um, Andrew, actually, I wanted to turn to you. Speaking of the, the context of Europe, um, because you had a great uh, thought that you wanted to discuss, and that mm-hmm. was um, 
in, in Europe, you know, you can go to a Christian concert and, you know, the, the guys will be on stage playing and then during intermission they'll go in the back of their tent and, you know, just grab a drink afterwards, you know, they'll go and they'll have their party and stuff and they'll be drinking and it's not an issue. And here, um, America is more taboo. Right. Um, go ahead and just talk to us a little bit about that. Um, give us some of your thoughts and feelings um, mm-hmm. on on that in that context. Well, yeah, I, I was watching actually like a, a YouTube video of, of uh, Gunger, Michael Gunger and his wife. It was an interview uh, before um, this this big kind of our the UK's version of creation. It's called uh, Big Church Day Out. Hmm. Um, and he was he just mentioned, you know, there's a beer tent. You know, you can go and purchase beer, you know, and and uh, there's wow. families and people camping out, you know, and, it, and it's 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 a, the exact same thing as creation, except they have alcohol there and it's not mm-hmm. a big deal. You know, yeah. and he was just kind of saying that that uh, that why, you know, it's it's a very Americanized um, just mindset that alcohol is you know directly correlated to sinfulness. You know, and um, it's I'm I'm not sure on on the history, all the history of that, but you know, it, it's it's just kind of become like embedded in in our church culture where. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I worked with a guy. He he was went with a went to a Lutheran church, and um, I wouldn't necessarily call him a Christian, but you know he went to the church and and he was uh, talking about this uh, this um, picnic they had uh, where he worked the beer truck. And I was like, uh, wait, you had beer at a church event? And you know that kind of like blew my mind. And at that that time I was I was younger, you know, uh, maybe twenty one, twenty two, just kind of getting into um, discovering uh, beer and everything, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's strictly American culture. It's not a biblical thing. I mean, it, I, I'm sure, you know, people could spin it to say that alcohol is evil in some way because of what the Bible says about it. It says about specific, specifically drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, I'm slurring my words, but no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Can't get the, the yeah. words out. You don't want to slur your words when you talk about inebriation. Right, no. Um, Creates street credit issues. <laughs> yeah. So the the topic of of drunkenness um, is just kind of what everybody latches onto, and and you know it, it's a very gray area. Um, you know, people say, oh well, is Tipsy drunk? And you know, what does the law say about it? So you know, it, it's just a misunderstanding of of alcohol um, and and the abuse that that occurs there. Uh, I think that scares a lot of people. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's kind of how I grew up. Is I was just you know, told not to touch it because it's scary, you know, kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Greg? No, no, I think Andrew's uh, spot on, particularly when you consider it culturally. I, I think, um, you know, Lisa's aunt and uncle were missionaries in France for 17 years. Um, to me, the healthiest way Christians deal with alcohol is, is sort of their experience. They got to a point where they never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people drank. Most people did. Even children yeah. there yeah, uh, would drink wine uh, with meals and that sort of thing. Um, and some people didn't for whatever reason, personal taste, preference. And to me, that's the healthiest yeah. when it yeah. is. Because sometimes I'll say, when I, I will admit, when I first learned, hey, the Bible doesn't condemn social drinking. It condemns drunkenness. You know, you, you can go hog wild with it, like almost, you know, the flaunting your liberty stuff. Right. And, and that to me is a, an unhealthy preoccupation because you're mm-hmm. so preoccupied with it uh, in one way. Or you can be the teetotaler and like one pastor told me years ago and meant it with every fiber of his being. The lips of my Lord Jesus never touched alcohol. That's what he said. Is that um, heresy? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say it's definitely wrong, yeah. you see. Yeah. Uh, see, I'll, I'll get a, a C in there somewhere uh, yeah. because, you know, and I asked him as respectfully as I could, uh, this is a good man, and I said, Pastor so-and-so, I said, uh, did, didn't Jesus, isn't that what he created? And he said, no, no, no. What he created at John 2 was grape juice. And, you know, you really run into all, all sorts of crazy mm-hmm. things there. It's the same word you see in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Do not be drunk with wine right right why would he even say that you yep. can't get drunk with grape juice right I mean, you could override your bladder <laughs> you could uh, make yourself sick yeah. but you're not going to get drunk with it yeah um so i think to me uh, i've heard john stott well he's passed away but he he said something very very similar andrew that it was common in the uk uh church events fellowship mm-hmm. dinners they would have coffee tea sodas lemonade beer wine yeah uh at events 
Mm-hmm. Some people took it, some people didn't, mm-hmm. just based on preference. And it was never, it never had the taboo uh, that it does have in American evangelical culture. Yeah. And I mean, dude, I sometimes wonder when you say to special guests, you'll incidentally reference, and I manage a liquor store. Right, right. Whoa, 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 what? I know, I know. Yeah. I, I, that, you know, and honestly, that's what I'm, I'm waiting for is, you know, that kind of uh, reaction um, and, and almost, to be honest, inst- instigating it. Well, your you family know, that's, gave right. you that reaction. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's true. You know, there was, um, you know, I, I love, um, I love my grandparents dearly, um, but you know, they were they were not happy with when I told them that that's sure. what I was doing, mm-hmm. and and understandably so. You know, my um, my grandmother grew up um, where alcohol was very much abused among the siblings, still is. Sure. Um, you know, and so for them and their family, they just you know decided to stay just so far away from it. Yep. Um, you know, and even honestly too, myself, uh, before I met Andrew, Andrew, um, at one point was my Yoda, uh, when it came to beer, he actually, he got me into drinking. Um, there you go, Andrew. Um, and so that's, that's props to Andrew. Um, he was my go-to guy. Um, he got me, he got me drinking good beer because for the longest time I, when I, when I heard beer, I thought Budweiser, I thought Mm -hmm. Miller Lite, Coors Light. Um, and, and I, uh, didn't want anything to do with that stuff. Right. Um, so, you know, Andrew was like, well, here, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? Mm -hmm. So slowly over time, I was like, oh, you know what? There's, there's actually good beer out there. Yeah. 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 Wow. (laughs) Um, so would you say, Andrew, that it is true, Nathan, as your student, the student has now surpassed his master? Well, being a manager of liquor store, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, see how that true. couldn't have happened. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. I, I did think. not foresee this path <laughs> yes. uh, that Nathan took, but uh, yeah, uh, now he's my go-to guy. Yeah, yeah, if this were the movie yeah. Officer and a Gentleman, then he was Lou Gossett Jr., that's right. your drill sergeant, <laughs> and then you graduated officer school and now outrank him. That's yeah. right. So you're Richard Gere. Yeah. So I, there I don't know how I feel about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that dude's a committed Buddhist, isn't he? Is so it? we'll we'll save that for another time. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, what I want to discuss with you guys is why do you think that is the culture that we have in America? I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, yeah, this is the culture that we have in America. Um, it's another to kind of isolate it and first of all say why, and then second of all, um, what what do we do with it? I mean, do do we accept it as it is and 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 work around it, or you know, is this one of those things that you know, hey, we should you know, we should pick up our banners and go revolutionize the cause of drinking in churches? Um, you know, you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, well, um, I think uh, it actually um, now talking about it, kind of um, some of my research, uh, I think it actually started in um, in uh, the prohibition era. Um, and a lot of like our evangelical culture even is kind of is relatively young uh, speaking, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, of religion, you know, so so the church is like, you know, this guy went to a Lutheran church. I went to um, a men's retreat with the Lutheran church and they had beer there and alcohol, you know, and mm-hmm. it was no big deal. But they have, you know, a thousand years of history mm-hmm. where, you know, evan- American evangelical churches, you know, don't have that history you know they're not they're not locked into tradition like those churches are so i think um you know when prohibition hit and it became illegal it wasn't a discussion you know you just didn't drink and i think that just perpetuated uh throughout the last um you know whatever 70 80 years uh and it just never really changed because you know there there wasn't really in my opinion, there wasn't any reason to drink because, you know, what you had like Schlitz and like, you know, like right. all these like red, white and blue. Yeah. Yeah. You really didn't have you didn't have the variety you do now. Um, and now yeah. that that kind of the European uh, culture of, mm-hmm. of beer uh, and, and brewing and, and just trying new things uh, has kind of permeated uh, with with, you know, the last 10 or 20 years or so of, of craft brewing. Um, this kind of revitalized that in a lot of Christians. And and uh, I know one. One of my our friends here uh, who doesn't drink, and he's like, man, a lot of people are like all about beer here, you know. <laughs> and, like, and I was like, well, you know, it, there's a lot more to it. And, and I, he's come from a similar background as I have, is where uh-huh. the, the, the fa- his family just didn't drink, you know, mine didn't drink because um, we didn't understand, you know, alcohol. And, yeah, and I think sure. that's just kind of, um, I wouldn't say we should just, you know, we should go, you know, protest or, or you know, just just kind of. We shouldn't take this as as like 
you know, a big cause to be had, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's something that we can share with each other within the church. Sure. Um, I don't think we should, um, you know, I, I don't care either way, whether we serve alcohol or beer at, at a church picnic or not, you know, that's, mm-hmm. um, I think right now it's, it's still kind of, I guess, young in, in our church culture. So, mm-hmm. uh, people, it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you just kind of, Air to the side of caution where like you don't just throw out a keg at a church picnic one year yeah. and then people come who you know because we have a mixed group here too sure, so sure. It's, it's just understanding your body and your church i think that's that's to the the local church to mm-hmm. to decide for themselves yeah yeah Greg? yeah no yeah. oh, uh, well said andrew i think the um the issues are complex too with serving alcohol at a massive church event right where you don't really know the people one you don't know people's background you don't know particular individuals that might have a propensity to alcoholism, a past where they abused right, it, right. where you could be lighting a fire unintentionally that doesn't need to be lit. So I think there's some wisdom there on how that's handled. I'm not judging churches that do do that, mm-hmm. but I assume, as you said, Andrew, there's a culture there that's probably shaped over decades and decades and decades, right. if not longer, yeah. that begins to set expectations. I think you're right. For most evangelical non-denominational churches like our own, um, it is certainly would fall under the category of a liberty issue the way we've handled it at Christ Fellowship. It's no secret. Uh, some small groups serve it, some don't. We always tell our leaders, and uh, Andrew, you've you've been one of our um, uh, leaders as well. Nathan, you've been in that yep. group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been a leader, you know, and and your group has served it. My group has served it. Some of the groups don't. Yep. We always ask the leaders to make sure they're showing a awareness, a sensitivity to the folks that are in it, to talk to them about it. You know, there's some common sense wisdom, like you probably never want to have enough where things could get out of control. Right. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, there's there's no reason for the small group leader to pick up two kegs <laughs> right. you know, on his way to his 12-person small group. I'd be asking, uh, what's your end game here? <laughs> um, but, you know, you're putting out things with tea and coffee and soda and sure. that sort of thing as an option for people. Right. I think it's a great thing. I do think uh, American culture as a whole tends to be obsessive. Mm-hmm. So we tend to really, really do things, uh, you know, to the the nth degree. Yeah. Right. So we see that. I mean, how many 15, 16 year olds are, you know, always looking for the party on the weekend to get bombed at yeah. and uh, get totally ripped. So there, there are some visceral reactions when people hear alcohol. I'll say this. I don't think I've said this before. This is what I love about the podcast that you can't do in the pulpit. That's right. Because um, there's there's no context, right. a, a, not enough context in a Sunday sermon. But here we can give a little more. Um, the the anti-alcohol Christian subculture that mm-hmm. still does exist in some places, I don't think it does like it used to, I have actually found in a bizarre way is like a backhand help to sharing the gospel with lost people. Mm-hmm. Because a number of lost people see movies like Footloose, you know, oh, right. yeah. and they get a sense, yeah, Christians are, you, you picture the fire brimstone guy yelling, preaching out of the King James Version of the Bible only, yeah. alcohol is the devil's brew, yeah. that I think that portrait makes Christians seem unrelatable yeah. right, to people. So that portrait in one sense helps sure. somebody, maybe if I can say that would be in our shoes, the three of us, our position. Yeah. That's not to mock those that don't drink. I want to be right, very clear right, on that. Right. I, w- I just can't deny my experience. When I've been to a wedding, particularly a wedding that I officiate, mm-hmm. yeah. and then people there see me, and I'm out on the dance floor with Lisa, and I'm acting goofy, and you know I'm doing the electric slide and making a total idiot out of myself and can't walk for three days, <laughs> and then they see me drinking a Sam Adams, yeah. I can't tell you the amount of people that have come up to me and said, what, you're like a r- real person yeah I'm like yeah yeah I, I am i'm just yeah. a yeah. sinner that yeah. needs jesus like everybody else that in a weird way <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful <laughs> to have the opportunity to be countercultural to right. that teetotaling christian subculture yeah. right yeah no and i and i think that's a great point greg because when you do look at uh cultures in england i mean or or other parts of the world uh, not having that stigma, uh, you, you know, what do you relate to? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, how, you know, because, you know, you have that pub atmosphere, which, you know, Andrew, going, um, going back to, you know, what we were talking about, I think that's one of the things that we miss here in America. You know, we don't have pubs in America. We have bars. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and people yeah. that it's that bar scene that right. defines America as opposed to the pub scene right. that right. defines those countries as, as a place of, 
you know, fellowship really, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether you're a Christian or not, this is a place where you get together um, over in those countries and, and you're, you're crowding around the television for the soccer game, not, to get as plastered as you can to right. start the fights, you right. know, but Hey, you know, we're, we're gathering for this common experience of watching this game. We're gathering for this common experience of getting right. together and talking and sharing a pint over something. Yeah. Um, well, yes, yeah, it's, it's funny. You say yeah, be, most of the, the hymns that we sing, okay, hold on to your hats here. People, they've come from the tunes of drinking songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nathan, don't you want Andrew to do that? I want you I dude, do. to write a song to the tune of 99 bottles of beer. On the I was just thinking about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. 99 attributes. I don't know. We'll, 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 we can, we'll we can figure find it out. a better song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a better that's song. A catchier. Yeah. That's a little more singable and not as long. Right. That's right. We, we do have three services. We have to be mindful of them. That's right. Well, moving on into uh, this idea of culture, um, I, Greg, I want to I want to throw this at you. Um, Avengers just came out. Yes. We're actually going to dedicate the rest of this podcast to the Avengers. Nerd fest. Um, that's right. So for those of you who aren't interested, turn I us am off. James Spader. I mean, Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa, as you guys know, asked me, "Are you guys going to name this one Nerd Fest?" And I said, Did you? "Happily." Well, I think in the write-up it'll okay. say a, a radical nerd fest. Okay. Which Andrew, don't take that personally. We don't name it until you join the podcast. <laughs> it's not just you, brother. It's not just you. Um, so, Greg, let me ask you: Why do you think that our culture is so wrapped up in superheroes? Yeah, why? Wow. Why has this? I mean, really, it's been. Um, I mean, you had Spider-Man in uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. I think it was released. Yeah. Um, you it's know, scary. It was, I know it. It was 2002. 2002. May 15th, yes, you're right. You're right. Yep. Don't ask me why now. But look it up. See if I'm right. Um, and so, so you have Spider-Man that came out in 2002. It was cool. I enjoyed it. I remember seeing a superhero movie for the first time. That was like, wow, this is you know, this is neat. I mean, X-Men of course came out in '99. Yep. That was that was kind of a, a big thing. But then you had Spider-Man, which had a lot more action. And it it was a lot more intense. Um, now we're in 2015. And superhero movies are just exploding. Huge. What is what? What do you believe the draw is to wow. these things? Yeah, and actually, Nathan, I'll go back. Uh, the, one of the first movies I remember that was on par for me with uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones is kind of a superhero-like movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely a larger-than-life figure. But was the original Christopher Reeve Superman? Superman. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, Superman one, Superman two. When I was a kid. Those things blew me away because oh, yeah. I remember seeing a behind-the-scenes thing, how they, you will believe a man can fly. Mm-hmm. And they used the green screen technology that's yeah. now commonplace with weatherboards right. and stuff. Right. But it looks so cutting edge. That now you go back, you're like, man, how bootleg. <laughs> that John Williams music coming yeah. up on the screen. <laughs> I know. And uh, Zod and all the yeah. guys he fought in Superman 2, which they, they redid. So, yeah, it definitely has a history. And before that, you know, even the 60s Batman show yeah. and oh, the yeah. 50s Superman with, uh, I think it was George Reeves, George ironically. Reeves, yep. And, um, yeah, there is. But you're right. There has been a huge boom. And it's hard to, to say. I mean, for one thing, I think filmmakers are making them because they make money. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean. And, Absolutely. And kid, kid movies, kids, movies that kids like tend to make more money than even Oscar winning Birdman, rated R type, you know, right. classic movies do. Um, but the question that you're asking, and I think is good, is why? I mean, I, I think it, it may even sound a little cliche, but I think it, it's just absolutely true is that we recognize at some sense that we are a, we're an imperiled people, yeah. mm. you know, and we, we, we need or want heroes. We yeah. wish there was somebody that could come in and sort of defy conventional norms yeah that we can't get around and uh you know that could be something as simple as getting out of traffic and how cool would it be if this car could just go up up and away you know (laughs) there's this kind of surfacey level stuff of a need desire for somebody to come in and do for us what we can't yeah and then there's uh, there's a fascination that is there another realm Mm -hmm. where things defy expectation Uh, Example that I'm putting uh, Ella to bed the other night, my six-year-old daughter, and Lisa is cracking up in the next room because she hears me talking to her. Ella's just asking me these questions out of nowhere. We're, we're reading <laughs> a passage because Isaac's a little scared, um, and we're, we're reading some passages about comfort, and Ella's sitting with us, and she says, Dad, um, can Jesus fly? <laughs> and it's always so hard to answer that because uh-huh. you know, 
do I want to tell her that he can? But then I don't really want her to picture Jesus flying. And right, when she comes to right. children's church, she draws pictures of Jesus with a, a J on a shirt. Right. And a, stuff. Cape. <laughs> a cape. Because I'm like, well, honey, he, he could, but he doesn't. Does God make cookies? <laughs> are, are they better, you know, than what mom makes? And I said, well, anything he makes is going to be better than anybody can make. So there's that childlike fascination with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the deepest level, you know, I mean, in, in a sense, we can say the, uh, we have the ultimate superhero story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, if you think about it, we're people in peril. Right. We're heading to destruction. We have an arch enemy. Yep. You know, and even the terms in scripture, the prince of the power of the air, a lion who's roaring to devour us. Yeah. We are not pictured as sufficient for those challenges. Right. So we need somebody that comes from another place. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's written into our hearts. Mm-hmm. So that superhero thing is some scratching of an itch. That's yeah. a guess. Yeah, it's actually it's interesting because if you look into the life of Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, I think I might have mentioned this on when we did the one on witches, Greg. Yeah. Tolkien actually led Lewis to Christ, mm-hmm. and one of the arguments he used um, was was that argument. Now, of course, at that time, it, it was the mythology. Sure, Lewis was deep into mythology and, mm-hmm. and the things of of Rome and, and Greek history, and even going back further than that, all, all sorts of mythology. And, and essentially, Tolkien, uh, you know, said. You read all these myths, and and some, you're you're drawn to them. Yep. They 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 pull at you. And he said, that's God's way of showing humanity and pointing them to quote unquote. I mean, the one true myth of Jesus Christ. Yeah, he is the true. You know, they they all have something in common. These people of enormous power come down to help humanity. Yeah, and that's God's way of pointing people to Christ, who is who is the true. Sure. Hero, yeah. sure. who comes down from heaven and and helps humanity. Yeah, well, yeah. All, you know, all these Greek myth- mythological gods, you know, I mean, they all have flaws. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're superheroes essentially. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, even you know, they Marvel incorporates the Norse god Thor. In, yeah, right. in, absolutely. You know. Yeah. And uh, and his father Odin and, and the you know all his whole ethereal world. Um, but you know, it's. It's humans with superpowers, essentially, yeah. is, is what they're they're imagining is, yeah. you know, uh, with, um, you know, love affairs and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, just unstable emotional states, uh, mm-hmm. just just like we all can relate to. Um, but, you know, and and, you know, bringing it around to to our faith and, and believing in Jesus Christ, uh, who is not, you know, emotionally unstable and, yeah. and does not right. have affairs. He's not like us, right. which is. You know, in a sense, he's like an overpowered superhero. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> which it's it's not really a good story because he can just wipe everything out, and yep. then there would be yeah. not much, you know, wouldn't be much of a story. But yeah. but the the struggle that that he allows us to um, to partake in yeah. uh, uh, in this life and and um, just seeing him at at the top and the head of it all, just letting us experience these these ups and downs, um, but knowing that that he is. Uh, sitting at his throne yeah. and, and calling us home, you know, is, is yeah. so comforting. It, it's funny that you mentioned that, Andrew, because one of the things um, I remember, uh, I think it was my last year teaching, I was working through the New Testament and we, we got into the book of Revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we're sitting there in the last portions of Revelation. And it, it's so funny because you look at that book and, and you think, and, and and rightly so, you know, God is so great, powerful, but there's this building that happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. all this all this building happens. And and I these the, are two passages that I pointed the students to. I said, I want you guys to think about this. Satan is so minuscule in God's mind that at the end of, of the story, he doesn't even deal with Satan. Right. He sends one of his angels to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he sends he sends Michael to go and take care of Satan and yeah. doesn't even bother with him. That's right. that's how much he is unimportant to God. Yeah. Um, and then I said, you know, the second thing is after you have um, this thousand years of peace and, you know, Christ is reigning on earth and there's this semblance of this war that's just stacking up. And, um, you know, the, I mean, it, it's this huge army that's coming against um, Christ and his people. And all Christ does is stand on a wall and rain fire down on them. Right, right. It's, it, you know, yeah. it's like, and my students are reading this and they're like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's like, and you it's expect not... this huge, big battle build. Uh-huh. And I say, guys, do you realize how powerful Christ is to just stand up and all of a sudden he decimates his enemies? Yeah. He, he doesn't need to do anything else. Yeah. And that, 
and that's the thing that bothered me about the Avengers the most because they, you know, when um, I'm not going to give anything away, but in, in the <laughs> scene, um, you know, there, there's a city that of about 10,000 people that's in peril, but if they don't stop this city, you know, there's a bomb ba- essentially sure. uh, that'll, that's going to destroy the entire world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, a militaristic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a strategy strategist would just say like bomb that city, just take it out. Sure. You right. know, we don't need those, you know, it's, it's a minor loss compared to the billions of people who, would sure. lose. you know, so I was just like watching this. I'm like, this is ridiculous, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as just thinking strictly military, you know, mm-hmm. strategy, right. uh, you know, it's it's ten thousand people to save six billion. You know, and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so that that was kind of like the the big thing for me. That right. was kind of like it's funny. But then it wouldn't be a movie. So. It's funny because right. our friend um, Andrew, you and I, Dave Middleton, yeah. he and I were talking about it, and and Dave and I always disagree on this fact because I I view it as, um, you know, he, he'll view it kind of like you. It's like no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna destroy this to save this, right. and I always view it as. No, we're gonna save this, and we're gonna save this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's well, just that's, like that's the superhero right aspect. Right. Is sure. You can you can have both. Right. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, which kind of goes back to the the longing. Yeah. yeah. I want somebody that can do it all. Yeah. yeah. You know, th- there's that sense in which you you want them to. We were talking during our Mexican dinner. That's to right. Cinco de Mayo. Yes. Not really. Just we love. Our, our taqueria food. Yes. Thanks for picking yeah. it up, Andrew. So good. Yeah. Um, Plug out there for our, our taqueria. Yeah, I know absolutely. they're not sponsoring us, but yeah. Greg and I go there often enough that yes. we got to throw they, it out they there. They should sponsor us. I think they should. They should. We'll, we'll, I know the head we'll chef there. Say. I should talk to him. You should. You say, we'll, we'll get it, the, their restaurant out there. That's right. Um, we were talking, of course, about the movie and, and, and talking about um, you know different aspects of the movie. And it's hard to talk about it without giving it away. If this were six months later, I, we oh, could yeah, give away no stuff. Problem. But yeah. since it just came yeah. out, we'll we'll talk about it more generally. The um, story too of the Avengers, we were almost talking. Has it become so big necessarily because you're bringing mm-hmm. all these mega heroes together mm-hmm. that it can almost collapse on itself? Yeah, it was. Right. I thought. I think we all agree it was a really good movie. Yeah. Yep. Um, I thought. I think you and I talked, Nathan, last week that the first movie just has a, a charm that you can't yeah, replicate exactly right yeah. because you finally after watching iron man in two movies thor in two movies yeah. or one movie one by movie then, yeah uh, hulk. hulk even yeah. had his you know you you are are uh so excited to see them all come together yeah mm-hmm. uh captain america captain and, america. and and they do and it's cool and you just can't duplicate that right uh, you know a second time through that same kind of charm but I've been watching the Daredevil series on Netflix, yeah. which I know you finished, Nathan. Yep. Are, are, are you watching that, Andrew? No, I've not seen any of it. It's I've only about four episodes in, and something about that is cool because it's a it's an easier story to keep yeah. up with, yeah, because it's a simpler universe at yeah. this point, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, part of the Marvel universe. But you know, if you think about it, same thing. It's people living in a in a city that's basically going to hell in a handbasket, yeah. yeah. Ironically, um, Hell's Kitchen in New Hell, York. Hell's Kitchen, New York. <laughs> yes, I think well, well chosen. Uh, you've got a a kingpin, yep. never named that, who is the sort of nemesis, the the large nemesis, and you've got um, an unlikely but incredible superhero. Yeah. Uh, who uh, you know, I no big secret there. He's blind. Right. Right. So he looks like regular weak man mm-hmm. that could never do anything but he's different yeah, yeah. and you know there, there, there's these echoes yeah you know god incarnating himself among us jesus didn't have a halo looks like anybody else yeah mm-hmm. uh in fact it always amazes me in the gospels where on one occasion his own townspeople say isn't this the carpenter joseph the carpenter's son mm-hmm. which tells you that he grew up and there was nothing so outstanding about him yeah. right. that ever caught their attention. Yeah. So they're kind of shocked when he starts strutting his stuff. Right. right. So there are a lot of these tie-ins, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. To well, and I, and I think it's fascinating because I wonder if Christ had truly um, been trying to conceal, like have a secret identity. Yeah. He never really tried to have a secret identity. Right. I right. mean, you know, he was he was pretty upfront of where he came from right. and who his father was. You know, even. From the beginning, you know, right. we get that glimpse as a 12 year old Jesus is teaching in the temple mm-hmm. and, you know, he, um, he essentially ends up rebuking his parents who try to rebuke him. Right. Um, you know, but he, I, I wonder if he could have pulled off a secret identity, you right. know, where right. where. No, there's no way. But, you know, there's the savior overarching, you yeah. know, I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. that's what you have. Right. No, I you think know, so. You have the life of Christ where 
he's he's this mild human. Yeah. Right. And then and then we see him die on the cross and he rises and now he's in his full glory, he's in his full power. Right. Um, you know, and, and Greg, you've said this before, you know, Christ has never taken a, a shortcut through his humanity by mm-hmm. dipping into his deity. Right. And um and and then we finally see Christ at the end yeah. um of uh, when he's risen in his full deity. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. and and you know, that's the the fullness of our hero right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and love that. We've mentioned to the you know, John's experience, John, uh, the apostle, Last Supper, he lays his head on Jesus' chest, yeah. and, you know, reclines on him, feels that comfortable, that intimate. Revelation 1, same man, yeah. same Jesus, but this time displayed in his cosmic glory, yeah. and he falls down like he's dead. Right. Yeah. It, it really is it's powerful. a transformation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bigger than Clark Kent taking off his That's glasses. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Do, uh, now, does May, that just May first, by the way, two thousand two was the Spider Man. Oh, it was May first, okay, not yeah. May fifteenth. Okay, okay, so, but I, yeah. but it was O two. Yep, I remember. Yeah, right that. month, right year. Yep, nice. Yeah, Wrong date. I'm slipping, guys. Yeah, it's all right. It happens. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, now, let me ask you guys something. What do you think about the the concept of the the antiheroes? Because that's essentially what you have in Daredevil. Wolverine has actually been tamed down, but if you read the comics, mm-hmm. uh, Wolverine is very much an anti-hero. Right, right. Um, and, and for those of you who are like, okay, these guys are now really geeking out, what is an anti-hero? An anti-hero is basically somebody who will make the right moral choices yeah. um, in the end, but they're willing to do what's necessary to get to... Basically, the ends justify the means. You sure. know, right. um, Batman can be thrown into this category a little bit. It's you know, I'm willing to break this guy's leg to get information I need to save this person's sure, yeah. life. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to beat the tar out of this person yeah. if that means that I'm going to be able to stop this bomb from going off. Right. Um, juxtaposed with, um, for the most part, Superman. Yeah. Who you know. Uh, Captain America would be another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not going to make that decision. You know, right. they're they're not going to do that, um, that that deed in order to get what they need. They always have that edge of mind or cunning or whatever to mm-hmm. to still find out and do what they need to do. Sure. Um, what what do you what are you guys' feelings on that? Mm-hmm. Thoughts on those? Uh, Jack Bauer's in that category. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, from Twenty Four. If, if you ever saw the Twenty Four episodes, I mean, mm-hmm. he he's as close as you come to a superhero. In an allegedly earthly plot, sure, you know, he's sure. A, what, a, a special agent, you know, a counterterrorist agent, yeah. Um, and he is the classic definition of the antihero. Mm-hmm. Virtually every season, he's ostracized by those in power because he's dirty, he's underhanded, he'll break fingers, he'll he'll threaten to kill children mm-hmm. to get information because he's definitely an ends justifies the mean guy. Um, yeah, and I know we've talked, Nathan, that it bothered you, and it it did me too because we talked in the yeah. in the Man of Steel that came out last yeah. year. Yeah, I feel we can spoil this one. Yeah, we, <laughs> if you haven't watched it, then stop the tape now because you've had a year, um, <laughs> and go watch it and then come back. But Superman kills Zod. Yeah, yeah, it breaks his neck. Doesn't yeah, he? very snaps violent. His neck. Yeah, it's a really violent neck. death. And I, I when I watched, it, yeah, that's that's odd. Like that, mm-hmm. that's not the Superman. I would ever think of. Right. That's much more a Christopher Nolan Dark Knight move yeah. right. than it is um, that. So um, probably to Andrew's point earlier, when you mentioned those uh, mythological gods, uh, to me, mm-hmm. what, what great apologetic fodder to say, look at the gods who allegedly lived on Mount Olympus. They were a lot like us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They just had I, some cool powers. Yeah. The God of the Bible is very different than us. Right. Jesus is very different than us. Um, He's like us in that he shares our humanity, mm-hmm. but he's so strangely other, so strangely different. Um, the only holdout I would say is there are elements in Jesus' life and ministry that were shrewd but honest. Right. Yeah. So yeah. he never crossed the line, but he was slick in a mm-hmm. godly way. Right. There, yeah. you know, yeah. Whatever the yeah. right yeah. word is. I, I don't think there's much of a comparison, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, agreed. Like, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, agreed. I yeah. mean, I'm saying you could say where um he's not what we would call sort of the uh the, the boy scout oh gee willikers right. do this. i mean he's brilliantly pure right. shrewdness yeah that that exudes from him like mm-hmm. the how many times the pharisees tried to trap him don't you love the, the answers oh, yeah. he would give rhetoric he'd answer questions with questions yeah. um he'd say well go go get me a coin right you know and uh, whose face is on it well then render to god what's god's and to caesar what's his 
or the point I love when they say um, they're trying to trap Jesus and the passage escapes you now. I know it's in Mark and Jesus says, let me ask you a question. John the Baptist <laughs> was his power and his ministry from heaven or from men. And they debate among themselves. Right. Well, if we right. say it's from heaven, they're going to say, uh, uh, well, why don't you believe him? If we say it's from men, the crowd's going to rise up because they love John the Baptist. Right. So they say, we don't know. And Jesus says, well, neither will I answer your question. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. But That's... yeah, you're right, Andrew. It's very different than a uh, Jack Bauer right. breaking right. somebody's <laughs> fingers. Yeah. Um, let me let me ask you this, Greg um, and Greg or Andrew. Feel uh, feel free to chime in too. The reason why I'm asking Greg is just where his children are, are a little bit different stage in life than uh, than where yours is right now. Um, mm -hmm. Greg, this movie um, had uh, more sexual innuendos. To yeah, it. it did. And you you have a young boy who's in middle school, mm -hmm. um, and and some of this stuff he's actually starting to understand. It's oh, not yeah. just going over his head. No. How do you handle um, situations like that? Um, and, and again, this, this can be broadened out to any scenario or situation. Um, I'm just thinking of this one specifically, a middle school boy, yeah. you know, dealing with, um, you know, dealing with this stuff. Um, how do you handle uh, this concept and idea of inappropriate things in movies with your family? Because I think you and I resonate that, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't run from it. Right. You know, we shouldn't run from it. We shouldn't be sitting there saying, you know what, we're just abstinence is the best way to go when it comes to things yeah. like this, mm -hmm. you know, alcohol movies, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, but responsible, um, teaching and upbringing. Sure. Um, and sure. so, and so how do you handle situations that come up in movies with your children? Great question. Ben is, um, my middle schooler. He's, he's 12. And I took, uh, my 16 year old daughter Well, she got out of school at two. Uh, so I got her first. Then I went to the middle school. I got Ben out about 40 minutes early. Then I went to the elementary school, got my eight-year-old Isaac out early. And little Ella, you're too young to ever listen to this, <laughs> but I didn't take you out, sweetheart, because you're only six. And you know that, that was a little too much for her. I think it would give her nightmares and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the innuendos went completely over Isaac's head. Yeah. He's eight. So in one sense, you don't have to worry about him. Ben gets him. Yeah, he gets mm -hmm. them. I mean, part of it is we've made the choice, you know, which is another topic we could take sure. sometimes to send them to a public middle school. Yeah, right. which you know Christians will all make different choices regarding that. So uh, I'm not, I don't think so naive to believe that Ben hasn't heard 12, 13, 14 year old boys in right. his right. life say things. Not that right. sending him to a Christian school would <laughs> right yes. him from that either. But. Yes, good point, Andrew. Uh, because he's around 12 and 13-year-old boys. Yes. Right, right. I think in any context, yes. that could be a church yeah. youth group setting when yep. the youth pastor's not looking or something, you know, and, and, and these things happen, no, mm -hmm. no doubt. Um, we talk about it. I yeah. mean, we, we talk about it pretty openly is how we just do it. Like, um, normally what I'll try to do is I'll try to say – uh, to Ben, oh, Ben, it's a shame they put that stuff in there because uh, mm, the yeah. movie the movie doesn't need it. It's yeah. not enriched by it. Doesn't right. help anything. I don't know if they it was feel kind of forced. I thought it, it felt thought, forced. Yeah. Sure, it, it did feel yeah. forced, and it's like they oh we might have some adults that need something. Yeah, like, dude, I mean we're coming to see explosions and right, right. You know these these guys whoop right. up on Ultron and just like the kids. Right. I mean we're we're not we're we're not needing some sophisticated right. Sundance Festival sexual undertone. And it's funny because if you think about um I, I'm just I, I've been to see it twice now um. I think about the the comments, like the laughter in the movie theater. Yeah, when those things hit, it was it was almost like a bomb. Yeah, like they yeah. they totally didn't go over. Same but, in my yep. theater. But a lot of the other jokes that were clean and funny and just well timed. Yeah, situational humor. Right. Yep. it was great. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So we we uh, we'll just talk about it. You know, I'll, I'll say to Ben. Um, you know, sometimes Ben, did did you understand what they were saying? And he, yeah, I did, Dad. And mm -hmm. and you know, it's one of those things. I, I don't want my middle schooler thinking that sex is intrinsically dirty or bad. Yeah. Right, right. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't want him watching things that mm -hmm. could tempt him, confuse him either. So there are movies that obviously I will watch and his mother will watch mm -hmm. where we can have a filter and that he would never see. He's right. too young and yep. he's not there. But the innuendo and stuff... Um, you know, we'll, we'll just, I'll try to take it as an opportunity to talk to him. You know, Ben, there is this thing called sex yeah. and, uh, you know, we, we've had our few talks. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe in just one big talk. I think of many along the, oh, yeah. the, the yep. way talks that they, 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 you'll need to have. And we've had several of those so far. 
and just let them know it's a great thing. It's an awesome thing. God's designed it for one man, one woman in marriage for mm-hmm. life. And, um, you know, our culture has a way of taking those things out of the place they should be in. So, um, you know, we, I try to show him that I'm frustrated yeah. so that he develops that, that that was unnecessary. Sure. It yeah. shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and to not at the same time uh, be so weirded out by it, you yeah. know, that uh, he feels like uh, he has somehow, you know, fallen out of grace or something right. by right. being exposed to that. Yeah. Uh, other, I mean, there are people that feel that way, Christians that respect that, and that will affect schooling choices too. Yeah. I get that. I'm not trying to get into that now. Sure. We obviously don't. We feel, to me, it's it's much like the, um, to go back to the alcohol thing for a little bit, I grew up in an unbelieving home. My father, uh, I never saw drunk, mm-hmm. uh, ever, and uh, there was always beer in the fridge, always wine in the liquor cabinet. Yeah. So I had, for me, different than your upbringing, Andrew, which I totally get and understand, right. I had, for me, modeled a moderate use of alcohol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was healthy for me. I never saw modeled from my parents. I saw it in high school and among other friends, of course, modeled poorly. Um, But that's kind of our approach. You know, it's 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 a subject we don't want to be afraid to talk about in the house. Yeah, it's a subject we don't want to be make the kids feel like oh oh I feel really dirty now because I heard this thing or saw this thing. Mm -hmm. But I do want them to kind of know where sex belongs, what the context is, etc. Yeah. Andrew, any uh, thoughts or comments on that? I mean, Malachi's still really young. Um, yeah, how do you yeah. talk Malachi through That's those right. things, dude, I 15 him, months? I sit him down, and yeah. then <laughs> right. I grab his toys. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, have you? I mean, have you and Carrie even begun to talk about those things coming we, down the road, or is it kind of like, you know what, that's so far in the future, we're not, yeah, that's not even it's on the It's kind of one of those things. Um, he's not even talking yet. Sure. Um, it's... You know, one of the we can kind of speculate how we're gonna approach a certain situation, but like, um, as all parents know, until you've been there, uh, you won't actually know what you're gonna do. You know, yeah. um, it, you know, we we can talk and we can get uh, we can get our our kind of ideas get on the same page uh, on certain things, um, but as far as you know, how are we gonna approach situation A or B? Uh, you know, there, there's not much we can really speculate at this time, so. Um, but we, we just, you know, we, we look to, uh, to counsel in, in our community groups and, uh, in our church body to, uh, see who's done it before. And, uh, we, that's, that's our, that's what we know. We know the people we're going to go to, uh, when things like that arise. That's good. Now you didn't meant, did you mention your father-in-law? I did not. Okay. But no, he's a... a, He's a good resource. We, he we, is a good all, resource. we always have to counsel him. I know. Yeah, yeah we do. We do. Uh, Al sometimes asks me questions uh, about those sensitive subjects. I have to guide him. So uh, just come to me first, Andrew, before you talk to Al. That's for Al Myers, regular listener. Thanks for taking a good joke. And the, and the good news for me is I don't have kids, so I don't have to worry about any yeah. of it. <laughs> That's right. You're right. Not yet. Not yet. No. All right. So, uh, guys, it's been such a great discussion. Andrew, Man. thanks for being on. We want to have you. Uh, yeah back on and um initially we were going to talk about um styles worship. of worship yeah. um but Music. we that's a hot topic for that is so, <laughs> that forces um, yeah. a part yeah. two that's yeah. right it does and i'm going to change the write-up as soon as we're done recording okay we cool. have that in there so we, that that's cool but we added okay. some things we didn't even intend that's right that's good so we're going to sign off greg andrew we just rocked the caspa rocked rocked these go to 11